When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Musicians on Musicians. What um, does that mean <laughs> to you, Karen? <laughs> well, you're sitting across from me, not on top of me. I'm not on top of you, but I guess it's like we're like, you know. We were earlier. Like, yeah, that's yeah, true. <laughs> but, like, but we did have like a very close moment. Um, very. This is the first time we're meeting in person. We did share a very intimate moment um, earlier. In, so I guess it's kind of. Yeah, it was a dream come true for me too. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah. Ushered into your arms, uh, prom style, and I, then yeah, my, if I could, my like, arm around your leg. If I could like, you know, rewind the clock, I think I would have chose you as my prom date versus the dude, I can't even remember his name, who went to the prom with me. <laughs> me too. Sweet. For more than 50 years, the writers at Rolling Stone have been sitting down with artists to get inside their sound, their creative process, and the quirks and perks of being a musician. But what happens when we take the writer away and ask two great artists to interview each other? Specifically, what might we learn when two indie rock icons discuss songwriting, growing up Korean-American, and the cathartic pleasures of smashing glass? Hey, this is Karen O. Hey, this is Michelle Zahner from Japanese Breakfast. And you're listening to Rolling Stone's Musicians on Musicians. In the past two years, Zahner released both a Grammy-nominated album, Jubilee, and a best-selling memoir, Crying in H Mart. Zahner, who performs as Japanese Breakfast, grew up idolizing Karen O, the Yeah 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 singer famous for her magnetic stage presence and New York swagger. Recently, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs released Cool It Down, their first album in nine years. Now that she's back and setting stages on fire again, Karen O is more than happy to sit down with Zahner and be the mentor she wishes she had had when breaking through. Hey, did your parents listen? Were your parents like, your dad is a music fan or? Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's a huge music fan. Like a lot of my early influences were from like listening to his music that he had yeah. around the house, yeah. What about you? My parents were like not big music fans. Uh, there wasn't like a lot of music. Oh, there wasn't? In my in my household. It was, was like it, very much something I felt like I kind of came into on my own. I think part of it just came from like the environments that I grew up in. Like indie rock was a big thing in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Oregon. And so I think my high school friends were like really into like Modest Mouse and Built to Spill and Elliot Smith and those people. And cool. like that yeah. was like kind of what felt like the first defining part of my adult personality, I mm-hmm. guess, was mm-hmm. like being 15, 16 and being like, this is who I am. This is my taste. This is like what I like to do. Yeah. Um, and that's like what I felt in love with. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I, music spoke to me from like a really early age. How like early were you getting into it? Or was it more later in high I don't know. I feel like it was maybe like a little, I mean, I remember like, I guess I could analyze key moments that I like music touched me, but it's something that I felt like kind of entered sort of later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why, like, I got started a little bit earlier than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, really into it super What early. was your first song, and how did you I mean, like, it? God, it was kind of doo-wop-y type song that I played on the piano when I was nine or something, you know? Like, terrible, syrupy lyrics, you know? Like, he don't love me, baby, no, 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 or something. How old were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I was, like, nine or something. Nine. And I had this best, I have this best friend, like, Veronica Feldman, who, like, was just the coolest, because she's, like, my biggest friend. I remember, like, I played that song for her, like, on the piano. I was like, he don't love you you baby no 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 and she's like sitting next to me and she's like Karen 
there's like Mozart, there's Beethoven, and then there's gonna be Orzolik. Like it was like seriously like delusion of grandeur, like the way that she appreciated me. But like I needed that like cheerleader at that time, and it was like made a huge yeah. <laughs> difference. Being like, yeah, I'm onto something here, you know. I feel like I had seen the yeah yeah yes as like music listed under like cool people that I didn't know as live journal music right. posts or what, like right. what I'm listening to. Yeah, and it was always like someone that was way cooler than me. So I'd like heard the name, and then I saw the DVD. I think it starts with Y control. I think so, yeah. And, yeah, and like, starts, yeah. there's like this build, and you just come bounding off of like the side. And I just never seen that type of showmanship in particular. Not just like a woman, and not just like a half Asian woman, which I didn't even know you were right. at the time, but I'd never seen like someone that was like able to have like so much control over their movements, but also feel like so raw and chaotic. There's like bravado, but there's also like a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a very uniquely like singular part of your performance that like is so captivating and exciting. It seems like this crazy cosmic thing that someone like that have had a similar background. At the time when I didn't even know like another human being that had that same experience as me. Yeah. I think I saw, like, the MAPS music video, like, on VH1 or, or something. I don't know. There yeah. were, like, so many, like, cool little <laughs> memories I have of just slowly, like, discovering the yeah, yeah, yeahs and, like, That's cool. getting to know them. But I never, I've actually never seen you guys live. Play live, yeah. Besides that DVD. <laughs> we recorded that over two nights, you yeah. know, and that was at a real kind of fever pitch in our career. So, like, we had rabid, sort of fanatical fans at that moment in time. I think that was that like after I fell off this. I think that was after I fell off the stage, maybe, um, in Sydney. So um, I like learned how to perform a little bit differently, less self-destructively on stage and stuff. <laughs> but that's yeah. what you came up with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I came up Did with. Did not get that vibe. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I was tuning it more into like the joy and also just like the rapport between you know the audience and and me at that moment in time. Whereas like I think I was a little bit more antagonistic mm. in like the earlier years, you know, in a very punk rock spirit kind of way. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like kind of nervous about like opening for you because I'm like, what rock moves did I accidentally steal? Oh, don't worry about parents? that. Oh yeah, I, it's I, like I, we, we're all like it. like you're just kind of a mosaic of everything mm -hmm. that's ever like kind of you know moved you or inspired you or that you've loved, and I really think that's like the case. And like, so you can't really be like, I've stolen this from <laughs> so, unless you're like literally like stealing the exact same you know, um, literal thing. Mm. I've stolen so many moves from, like, you know, people that, are, performers in front of people <laughs> that I've known. <laughs> so, and just, like, you just make them your own, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, we do, yeah. like, sort of different things. Yeah. But, I mean, I remember, like, I thought it was specifically, like, there's already, like, a half-Asian girl. Or there's, like, an Asian girl doing this. So, like, uh, who's going to want to listen to another one? Yeah. <laughs> Which so is that, so crazy. So and it wasn't, like, jealousy. It was just, like, yeah. a disappointment that the world already had that. Yeah. And it was a legitimate belief that, like... like one was enough. One, no one's... <laughs> okay. That the only, like, thing that I had to offer was, like, that novelty. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah I mean, it was up. obviously, like, so misguided because, as I talk about in the book, it's not like a little boy is going to, like, see Iggy Pop and be like, oh, there's already one of those. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no, no way. space for me or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, I mean, I think I just, you know, I, I loved it so much that I, like, ignored that feeling. But yeah. it, when I came up, was probably slightly less of a boys club, but still yeah. felt that way yeah. at the time. You know, I, when I was, like, in my early 20s, I was playing in, like, a unfairly categorized as emo band. <laughs> and I was, like, doing a lot of these tours with, like, all dudes. And yeah. it very much felt like a boys club still. 
Did you feel that way at the time? Of being the only, the only girl? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely perks to being the only girl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's exhilarating just to, I just felt, like, very mischievous and defiant. And I love breaking all the rules that the boys had to follow. And like, you know, and you know, and I was competitive. So like, I felt like, right. you know, it was just always me versus that in my mind is a little bit like me versus a bunch of, as I call them, quote unquote, boy bands, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was lonely, you know, it was, it was really lonely. And there's so many times where I felt like I could have really used like a mentor or someone yeah. that I could have asked like, hey, like, what do you do when you feel this way from another woman who has already been through it? But like, there was just so few and also there wasn't the connectivity that there is now. Yeah. You sent me like some really nice messages in a very yeah. like, it feels like a very KO <laughs> kind of way where she's like, it's do like, you ever want to like break a table or something? <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, you no. You do it. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you like, you had posted like a picture of yourself looking very like, you had like the million mile like sort of stare. I think it was during sound check. I think you know? I know what you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you look, it looked like how it gets, which is like, can be like, you know, can really wear, wear you down and stuff. And so like, so I said, yeah, the best thing, you know, to do in that situation is just like, you know, smash some glass, you know? Like, <laughs> Like, just find some glass and smash, you know, and smash it up, you know? Um, like, a mirror, or for me, it was, like, a poster of us that was framed. I, like, put, like, my foot through it, you know? Um, it really just takes the edge off, you know? So <laughs> I think I was, like, in Napa. I was, like, kind of show at, like, a winery that day yeah. or something, and I was like, guys, Karen said that I should break glass. Yeah, you need to break some glass, you know? It's, it's been, like, soft invitations to... Um, connect, but I'm like kind of shy, awkward person. I'm not gonna like force it on her, but if she ever wants to, you know, I'm here for you, you know, so just let that be known. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's hard for me to relate to like being able to have like other women, you know, artists, like what you're doing to like have any sort of camaraderie with or anything like totally. that, you know, because I was so quite isolated in what I was doing, but I'm, it really fills me with joy that you have that now. And that totally. like, not only that, like bands like Linda Linda's for instance, you know, like are coming up um, <laughs> and just making such a splash too, you know, um, feeling not like such like outsiders, like, yeah, I belong here, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also like, you know, we, we got to like grow up, like seeing you in that space and that definitely paved the way for so many people oh, to feel yeah, like that's you know that's, I mean directly, that makes it all worth it <laughs> I mean, directly to me I genuinely yeah. don't think that I would I would be playing music if I didn't see that and just be like well she can do it she's doing everything like my mom would be like horrified to, <laughs> yes. to see me doing and that's exactly what I want to be doing oh my god you know um I heard like a lot of echoes about your memoir because I've just never read a memoir that I like related to like so completely to you know I mean like I've never read like a half Korean um, half American woman's, you know, memoir who started a band and then film school too. There's just yeah, like so yeah. many parallels. It was just like, it was pretty profound to be able to read such a raw and incredibly soul-bearing memoir, but also it be from like someone like me, yeah. <laughs> you know? I was like, yeah, it made a huge impression on me. Man, yeah, everybody should have a memoir as a companion piece with like their record. Because it's just like, especially these days where like, because of the way we consume everything, let's say music through streaming and stuff like that, things just kind of, wash over you like droplets on the surface. And it's a shame because making a record, you're putting every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears and bearing your soul and like really going to like wherever music takes you, which is a spiritual thing. And then the way people consume it is just like, it's lucky if you get past skin deep. I'm so glad that, you know, you do have the memoir because then people get to really experience your music in like a deep way in a time where it's really hard to, to do that. Mm. Yeah, but the half Asian thing, I do find it, you know, interesting. I'm really curious to hear your point of view on it because like from my perspective, Korean culture in general was like invisible in the States, you yeah. know, growing up. It was kind of like always shrouded for me, you know. I went to Korea, I was super close to my grandparents. I always thought of it as like sort of a separate thing 
to my existence in Jersey or whatever, you know? Mm. And even New York City, like, to a certain degree. So I'm still, like, kind of even just, like, getting it more in touch with that aspect of me because it was kind of invisible for so long. And so, like, I think it's kind of awesome that you're, like, much more deeply kind of dialed into that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I really felt that way until, like, the last five years in particular. I mean, with, like, the popularity of K-pop and BTS and, like, with that. And I also think that the internet has such a huge part of it now where, like, the new TV that kids are watching are, like, people traveling to Korea or, like, people in different countries just, like, eating and doing things. So it's, like, representation, that kind of representation is, like, everywhere. And that's really new and, like, exciting. I never felt, like, ashamed of, like, being Korean, but I think I would just, like, uh, I really didn't like feeling like people were projecting some kind of, like, stereotype on me in a Mm -hmm. way that I I had no control over being... I never wanted anyone to think of me as, like, docile or, like, agreeable or, like, you know, hyper-feminine. And I think in some ways, like, my personality kind of morphed in something that was, like, in direct opposition Mm -hmm. uh, to that. To to a point where it's, like, I don't even know if those parts were, like, true to who I am or if they were just my rebellion to, like, what I felt, like, was being projected onto me. Right. And so now I kind of feel like I'm in this new place where, like, I used to feel like I had to project very masculine in Mm -hmm. order to be taken seriously. And now I feel like I can be more feminine and and playful with that kind of stuff because I don't feel like I have to be projecting something in opposition to the things that I felt were being put onto me before. For me, like, the question I always got was, like, how does it feel to be a woman? You know, that was, like, the exotic thing at the moment. But at the same time, um, you know, there was, like, a precedent for it. There's still, like, you know, women rock, you know, before me that, like, were incredible, but there's just not many of them, you know, and not many around at the time that I was doing it. It seems like you really deeply relate and connect to your Asian, you know, roots and stuff, you know, like, probably more than even me to a certain degree. So, yeah, like, it's just funny how you're, like, made up of all your ancestors and everything, (laughs) like, families that come before you. So it does kind of um, have a way of making its way into who you are, whether or not you're fully conscious of it and, like, and how you express yourself and all that sort of thing, what you're drawn to. Yeah. It certainly has for me, but I think, yeah, it's been extra cool to, yeah, to experience it through your your prism. I have, like, a total non-sequitur question because yeah. I think it's interesting, but uh, I don't know if I've shared... Th- I feel like this was post-interview magazine, but it was very sweet that you hit me up after mm-hmm. we got nominated for Grammy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, Graminated. Like, uh, Graminated. <laughs> Graminated? Yeah, that's uh, what we call it. Uh, yeah, when we got graminated and, and I was like, wow, I'm, Karen, like, sent me uh, some words of encouragement to, like, go into the Grammys and, like, you know, to be prepared that it was going to be sort of weird. But I, yeah. I, I wanted to hear, um, Ben Gibbert, who's another hero yeah. of mine, like, told me that uh, it was really wild because that year, the year that the Death Cab was, like, nominated for, like, their first Grammy, when they were first graminated, that they <laughs> lost to my humps. Right, okay, um, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, like, yeah. best duo or something, yeah. which I thought, you know, I think it's just, like, so funny to, like, who who you get paired up against and also, yeah. like, just that environment of being, like, in there, but you're not, like, you're not really supposed to be in yeah. there, it yeah, feels yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and that's, yeah, like, part yeah. of what's, like, cool about people in our, like, kind of category, yeah. like, getting in there. I just wonder, you slip, like, you slip do you cracks. have any, like, Grammy, like, memories like that? that we you, only went once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? Or, like, yeah, like, like, we went, like, like you, some like, we observation. Went the first that, like, time we yeah. went. Yeah, no, it was just, like, we went once because, yeah, like, I think, I can't remember what we were nominated. Probably Best Rock Album, and then, like, Maps was nominated for uh, Music Video. Or, there was a few, like, kind of related to the record or whatever. So we went, um, I think it was 2004, 
maybe? Yeah. And yeah, we were like really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Brimming with excitement. Like, yeah, Christian, I told you because Michelle asked me like, what are you wearing? Like, what do you wear? I can't find any pictures of you. I was like, that's because it was like super DIY. Like my best friend like made my like outfit like in her living room, you know, like on her sewing machine, you know, (laughs) it was like, it was like super DIY, um, which was kind of amazing. But yeah, I just remember like we went and we like sat in our seats were kind of like nosebleed seats, by the way. You were like, you had like, I got to be on on the floor. floor. You were like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you were nominated for best new artist, which is like, I don't know how you we know, got it, but which it was, like you know, and I just remember there being like a Cirque du Soleil swing, and I think Usher was swinging on it, and like, and and, and I was just yeah, and I was just like, hmm, like you know, so like I think about we lasted about ten minutes, and then we were just like all in like the stairwell, you know, like we like all like vacated to the stairwell. I feel like like I, I want to you know I have this like picture of us just like smoking the stairwell, like oh shit, that's rough, you know. <laughs> That's just like so not like our vibe, you know? Because um, yeah, it was like still very driven by pop and yeah. hip hop and like early 2000s pop and hip hop, which was like a whole other thing at, the, at, at that time. But uh, yeah, we didn't last very long. And I remember having like In-N-Out Burger, um, you know, shortly after that and like just being like, okay, you know, the night's great because, you know, we ended up having burgers or something. <laughs> who, who, do you remember who you lost to? Um, no. No clue, no clue. I that doesn't stick with you for years? No, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, like, yeah, I've been grammated many times, um, and yeah, it's like, but yeah, that was the only time You don't time even I went. go anywhere? No, yeah, it. I don't go. Yeah, that was good. That was good for me, yeah. Maybe there'll be another time where I feel like, yeah, it's worth worth yeah. going to, but yeah. So then, follow, I mean, what was... What was the what were the Oscars like? The Oscars, um, yeah, that was that was like a whole other experience. I mean, that was because we were part of the show because yeah. we were performing and stuff, you know. So we were part of like the whole mechanics of it, which was so exciting because like yeah, we had like a backstage room where like you know it's like it felt like very VIP in a funny way, and um, yeah, and it was like kind of a cool year because like Pharrell was there with like Be Happy, which is like you know every kid's favorite song. Is that how oh, that song is that that what that song is called? Happy, yeah, Happy, not Be Happy. <laughs> Happy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not be happy. Um, and then U2 was like there with a song and we were there. Yeah, and I was there. Um, me and Ezra were there and stuff like that. Um, I'll never forget, like, you know, we like performed. My like, my mouth went so completely good. bone dry. Like, like just like not, like literally not a molecule of moisture. Like right before I went on, I was like, fuck. Because like my nervous system was like, oh my yeah. God, you know. And then we like, we did our little performance and, you know, it was barely audible or whatever. And I remember like, I was like set, like just like 12 o'clock was Leo, Leonardo, like DiCaprio. Oh, we know, you know? Leo. <laughs> yeah, Leo. And then I remember after like, after we did the song, he like stood up and he's like clapping in the air. And I was like, yes. I was like, yes, I'll take it. Win. Yes. You know? <laughs> He was so pumped for our performance, but um, I'm not sure if anyone else was. But was if great. you want to impress one person, yeah, yeah, we got we got Leo. But yeah, I mean, it was a super super cool. Yeah, that was. Were there like after profound. parties? There was after parties for sure. Yeah. Can't spill any tea in the after. Party. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Is there any tea for the after after party tea? Um, after party tea? Yeah, no. I mean, like it, like um, yeah, we we yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, we can talk about this um, off, with oysters. Off, yeah, um, yeah after, record. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun stuff for sure. Yeah, I think it's um, a weird thing because it's nice to be like nodded to by the industry. Obviously, you know, like Grammys totally, yeah. or the Oscars or whatever this kind of thing. Um, but it's also like yeah, like when you're sort of like an outlier, like like I am, and I don't know if you identify like that. You know, it's like no, I feel like I belong there completely. Yeah, you kind of feel like <laughs> you feel like you belong. There. <laughs> Me and Justin Bieber, yeah, like, sitting crisscross applesauce on, yeah, on yeah. the floor. You do belong there. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, like, a strange thing to have to, like, yeah, calibrate in your head. Totally. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling going into this 
new cycle. How long has it been? Um, yeah, it's been nine years and wow. it feels like a long time. It's almost a decade. Yeah, it's been a little bit wacky because since, since our last record, you know, I have a seven-year-old kid. It's been a pandemic for like almost three years. <laughs> so, so it's like really different than last time we launched a record. I think doing those shows this summer was very much needed just like to connect with an audience again and stuff because then it's really abstract and we have like our own enthusiasm about the new music but then it just feels very disconnected recently it feels like social media is my only like connection to how people are receiving things it doesn't seem like that representative of the entire you know world you know? yeah so it's really just like playing the shows where it really can feel the, what it feels like in the room what it feels like to return to an audience who have been your fans for like almost 20 years they need it, we need it. So um, it was just like a strange experience. I feel like very excited about, about the shows that we're gonna do with you and the Linda Linda's is like kind of unprecedented for us in like a big kind of, we're back, you know? Yeah. And check this out, like, like check how much the world has changed since last time, you know? We've been here that like, we have these incredible Asian American women supporting us. It just wasn't a thing at all for me for yeah. some, the majority of my career. What was the writing process like for this record? Because I feel like <laughs> I, I mean, especially as like a songwriter and mm -hmm. lyricist, when you get to, to the place in your life where you're a mom and like things are so settled and so yeah. much of like songwriting can at least initially come from a place of personal chaos mm -hmm. and drama. Yeah. How did you go about writing this record and what were the kind of themes of, that you found and yeah. how did you tap into that? And was that kind of a new thing? I think because yeah, yeahs were kind of born in this time of turbulence and disquiet, you know, in the world. I was living downtown New York City when, mm -hmm. you know, September 11th happened. There was a kind of end of the world feeling in New York at that time, which was like around the conception of the band. I think we like to rise to the occasion and can really like relate to like when the world goes totally upside down, I think, in a way, like, because it's so connected. So right to... now feels comfortable for you. <laughs> yeah, like in a strange way, like writing music in these sort of super somewhat apocalyptic times is something that we can relate to in a funny way. I think a lot of musicians for the first time during this pandemic had the prospects of making music together and performing just totally yanked away from us. No one's really ever fully experienced that as like a collective, at least, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so like when Nick and I got back together, like right before the pandemic. Wait, so had you played some like reunion shows before working on the new record? Yeah, we did. And yeah. then... Yeah. And then, and then we were just kind of just doing... And had like yeah. some things on the books that got taken away. Yeah, we got some things on the books taken away. But when we did get back together in 2021, we were so fucking stoked because like the level of like gratitude and appreciation was like real, you know, it was like so joyful in a funny way. Like Nick and I, we have baggage, man. We've been a band for 20 years, yeah. you know. We came to that experience just being like giggling kids again, man. We were just like so giddy to be able to make music together again. And then felt kind of fearless about just like, yeah, tackling themes that were scaring the shit out of us. But we were doing it so fused with excitement and joy that I feel like that it's not like a downer the way that we've sort of made the music. It's, it's kind of exhilarating and hopefully, you know, galvanizing, you yeah. know, because there's so much love and joy like fused into it because of that sort of reunion felt so, felt real. How do you approach like songwriting and stuff? Do you go in like with ideas or do you kind of see what happens? Like, how I feel like it's changed over the years, but like, you know, it's like one of those things where like when you haven't done it in a while, you're like, I don't know how yeah. to do that Yeah, anymore. which is a great, which is yeah. like an important feeling because yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm there now where I'm like slowly starting to think about writing again. I feel like I'm finally entering that place where like things are slowing down or like I can see the end mm -hmm. and, and it being time. And yeah, I'm like, how do I do this? And I think I'm like more aware of 
music theory crap that like, I'm like into obsessing over now and I'm probably going to get to a point where I just like go back to doing the things that I always do, which mm. is like hunt and peck for the right chord and not really know oh, what really? Yeah, I'm in uh-huh. and then like something that someone said or like, you know, some some lyric that I stole from a Bronte novel yeah, will like yeah, yeah. come to me and it'll kind of weave around itself. I feel like it's usually like a melody and then chasing the sound of like where it's supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have to like create all these weird rules for the next one. And why is that? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that I'll get to a point where it's just like, why is that? And yeah, then yeah, I will yeah. like stop and I will write the same way that I used to. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think they're like, oh, how do I push forward? You know, how do mm-hmm. I like get better? And yeah, it is like very intuitive. You know, I think oh, like yeah. a songwriter, like it's better if they're kind of naive to that sort of stuff. Just like as a new way or like how to push out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. of just like you always write songs in the key of D, like yeah. stop that. Yeah. But yeah, I also think that that's just like, that's what your voice wants to do. You should follow like what naturally comes out of you because like that's what people people like also and that's like part of your sound. Yeah, how do you usually start like a song? Is it What's your go-to instrument when you start writing? It's usually guitar, but mm-hmm. then like for the last record I was writing more on like piano or I'd start a song with bass and like because I'm not great with music theory I got really into like drawing it in like a a midi like so like I'd be like I know what this chord is but I don't know what it is like on the guitar or even the piano and so I'd start with a d or whatever and then like drag the bar until like it hit the oh wow the chord that I wanted and I'd start writing chords in that way like and so that was kind of a new interesting process for yeah. me. Do you usually write on piano or? No, guitar? no, I would, like, yeah, usually the low E string of, of a guitar, most, most of my songs are, are born on that. I think just no wrong way to write music, it's just like any way that you experiment is, is valid as long as you're in tune with your intuition, right? And I feel like it's like one of the few things in life that I don't need to overthink, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think I overthink a lot of things in my life, but not music. I like immediately feel like, you know, kind of liberated when I'm writing music from having to overthink anything. And like one of my favorite ways to mix it up and to push myself out of comfort zone is just to work with different people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always compare it to like, a magical recipe, right? Like, <laughs> which you can relate to, being the food guru that you are at this point. But you know, you wouldn't necessarily think this ingredient, that ingredient. But when you put them together, yeah, like all of a sudden, yeah. like there's like this new taste that's like so beyond anything that you could have predicted. One plus one equals not two, but like you know, something <laughs> like you know, beyond two, like it equals like three times whatever. You know, yeah, who knows? Infinite possibilities. Highly recommend it. Um, have you done that? Do you work with like different people or? Um, for this yeah. last yeah. record, it yeah. was kind of like the first time that I invited that in a bit more. Yeah. Like, I was like trying on co-writing for a, a brief minute and yeah. like hated it. But then you make something and it's like so great. It's a really vulnerable position to be in because I think like especially as a woman, you know, this is where I think it's a little different. You know, I'm like quite established at this point. Like yeah. you think, right? <laughs> so, like, but especially as a woman, when I start working with someone, I'm like, Man, oh yeah, I forgot. They haven't spent 15 years like getting to, mo- yeah, to know yeah. me. Like, no, like they don't necessarily yeah. like, get it yet. You know, like what my strengths are because the way I work is can be kind of unconventional too. So mm-hmm. like, they're not just like buying into like you know off the bat. You know, and I feel like I have to like to a certain degree not prove something, but it's a vulnerable position to be in. Like to be like, oh yeah, like they sort of know what I'm capable of, but they have no idea. You know? So yeah, you know, and I don't know if like a guy thinks about that when he's working with another guy, but oh, yeah. I definitely do as a woman. And that's a kind of a different experience, like a more singular female experience in a way, like struggling a little bit more to be understood, even just like to get the right level. How old were you when, when you, like what made you make the decision to like take such a, 
a long hiatus. So 2013, uh, we like were finally out of a record contract with, with Interscope and Universal. So we'd been in, in one for, you know, about a decade or something. And so when that was over, it was weird. It felt like this kind of psychic weight that I didn't know I was carrying had lifted because when you're like signed to like a sort of certain number of records on a contract, you have to like keep making records to be like through with it and stuff like that, um, whether you know it or not. Like, and so like, all of a sudden I was like kind of off, I won't call it the hamster wheel per se, but like, you know, I was free of this sort of like looming deadline, I guess, to have to make another record. We'd, we'd been a band for like 13 years at that point. So I was just like, this feels like totally different. Next time we make yeah yeah yeah's record is going to be because like I really 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 want to make right. <laughs> record not, you know not knowing that it was going to be yeah, so long yeah yeah not knowing it was going to be so long you know um, but I did know that I wanted to start a family and stuff and I remember having like a sort of candid conversation with Shirley Manson from Garbage at like a dinner party where she's just like hey do you want to have kids I was like I do she's like yeah you know what you really need to make space for it because if you don't <clears> you know probably gonna miss your chance like yeah. you know like because when you're in a band you're either like writing a record like in production or like touring it, you know? And then there's like a, usually a small window between starting that cycle over, you know? And so like I had to really like make the space, and that was 2013, <laughs> 2014, I really made the space for that in my life and then boom, you know, that happened. Yeah. So, was um, there like a sadness or like a fear when you went off? I kind of feel like I'm yeah. at that place in my, my life. I feel really ready for that, but I'm also like so scared because you're so worried that once you get off the wheel, yeah. you'll lose this, your true love, you know? Like, I mean, Oh no, not, like, yeah, no, not in the least. Someone told me that, like, don't worry, like, about the, the empty plate. It fills up before you're, you're, you're even ready to, like, right. chow down again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. When you're an artist, you're always freelance, and you always feel like, yeah, is there ever yeah. going to be a next job, you know? Not everybody feels that way, but, I, you know, I certainly do. Um, but, Korean thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it's a yeah, Korean insecurity. <laughs> like, better, you know, make I must have it. a job all the time. Yeah, I must have a job all the time. Maybe I can tell you, like, with certainty that, like, don't worry about taking a, a pause. Actually, I'm, like, the master of no. I say, I say no. I know. So I hear much. this. It's about... <laughs> You're famous for it. I'm famous for it? Like, yeah. Like, like, no, I was talking to someone who works with you, and they were like, yeah, we, we come to Karen with a lot of stuff, and she usually says no, but, you know, it's cool. It's cool that we get to say that we work with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Don't be afraid of no, because, like, in a lot of ways, that's what, like, makes them want you more to a certain degree, you know, especially if, if what you're doing is, is meaningful and has a deeper truth about, or have value, you know, to it that way. I would say, you know, absolutely, like, there should be no fear of it going away, or especially if it's because you want to start a family or, or like, you know. What, what was that conversation like with your bandmates, though? Was there some heartbreak there? Well, again, because I'm like the master of no, that. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, are used they're to like, it. They're used to Whatever it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I set the, that precedent, you know, and it was hard. It wasn't easy at first. The earlier years of, of being in the AES was just, for one thing, immediately, like, I knew that I bit off way more than I could chew. Like, I had no concept of really what it meant to be in a band and what, what like, the demands were. I didn't even understand the concept of touring because I started in New York City. I was like, how do you beat this? Like, you know, it's like, you, know, <laughs> you can make it here. You can make it anywhere, right? Um, there's nowhere to go from here. This is, like, the top. And then they're like, oh, wait, no. The, the concept of touring was introduced to me where you just start going everywhere. And then and I just wasn't really cut from that cloth. It's just like I wasn't a road dog by any means. And so that's where No started having to come into the picture, you know. <laughs> but it was it was really difficult because like I think that looking after yourself and your well-being, your health, your mental, psych, you know, spiritual, physical, I think as a woman, especially like in like a boy's world, for the men it's a sign of weakness to be like, I'm not feeling up for this, like, you know, my rib hurts or something. They're like, oh come on. But like it's actually what I had to learn was just that. It's fucking strong as, as, as fuck to make that sort of um, clear boundary. Clear boundary, yeah. And like, not only that, it's like doing everybody a favor, you know. Because if you're in like a terrible place, the chances are everybody is, you know. Mm. You know, to a certain degree, 
especially with a band because you're such like symbiotic sort of creature, you know, like, so you're only as like doing as good as like the person who's doing, you know, the worst. And they're yeah, so like that's just like yeah. so need to hear. Yeah, you know, I'm such a road dog, and I mean, yeah. like, I feel like you're like the hardest working woman in like you know like show business. <laughs> but no, you know? I mean, like yeah. I like I think I mean I I literally don't even like want to tell someone when I need to pee because I like we just got to get there. Is that like the scarcity thing or what is? That? I don't know. I yeah. think I I think I like get off on it. Like I think mm-hmm. I get off on like working t- myself to death. <laughs> no yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And the way that I I realize now like after six years of doing it is, like, not sustainable. I think I was just the way that I was raised yeah. to just, like, be, like, a scruffy, like, fighter. Just, yeah. like, fight to the death mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, I think both my parents were kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, and now I've gotten to the place where it's like, okay, what are you fighting for? Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you you got it. Yeah. Like, and yeah. now if you're not enjoying every moment, then, like, this year I'm really learning how to say no. And it is yeah. it is really scary. I get like so frightened about yeah. saying no to anything. Cause I'm so, I think also like, I think our paths were very different in this way where mm-hmm. like, we talked about this in an interview where yeah, like, like, you were like, it came to us really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't come to me really quickly. Yeah, yeah. It came to me really late. It wasn't until yeah. like 25, 26 that yeah. like anyone had heard of like anything that I was doing. Yeah. And I had been like doing these DIY tours and like no one gave a shit for like, yeah. 10 years before someone started, like, paying attention. Yeah. So I think that that's also where that came from. It was just, like, once I... It's, like, say yes to everything, and Mm -hmm. once I start saying no, then I'll lose it. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, I think maybe when you started, everyone was, like, captivated by you guys from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. Like... That, that element was a little bit easier to say no. I think there's just like a mis- misconception that like, yeah, you have to fight through all of it. Like, because believe me, I, I've been there and that was like the first like three or four years of totally, me touring was totally. like, feels like that. But then I've, I don't think I've ever regretted saying no. Yeah. <laughs> I've regretted saying yes, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and time and time again. So um, I, I like that my reputation precedes me when, when it comes to no. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, yeah. Because it, yeah, it hasn't really like, you know, maybe in some ways it's, it's, it's affected things, but like, but I'm really happy, you know, um, for the most part, you know, with um, with like the little, the little niche that I've carved out for myself, you know. I mean, so, I think that you yeah. have the most like admirable career, long-standing uh, career, <laughs> timeless, timeless career. That yeah, I you know, like thank you, and I'm like so freaking endlessly impressed by what you, what you've you know what you put out into the world, and what you've accomplished, and also like the doors you've opened for like yeah more of us. You know, <laughs> it's like a huge deal. Yeah, I think Noah would be like a beautiful you know cherry on top. <laughs> I know Terry. Yeah, I know Terry. <laughs> You'll find a version of this conversation in the November issue of Rolling Stone. Musicians on Musicians is adapted from Rolling Stone's popular magazine franchise, produced by OBB Sound, and sponsored by Audible. This episode featured Karen O of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast. Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner and Scott Ratner of OBB Sound, a division of OBB Media, and by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, Christian Horde, Noah Schachtman, and Gus Wenner of Rolling Stone. Co-executive produced by Dylan Martyr of OBB Sound. Produced by Miranda Sherman and Toby Lawless of OBB Sound. Associate produced by Eve Bishop of OBB Sound. Voiceover by Eve Bishop of OBB Sound. Engineering by Frederick Burness, Daniel Chavez-Crook, Phineas O'Connell, Josh Falcon, Pharaoh Lopez, Dylan Neustadter, Miguel Romero, and David Lyon-Thompson. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Daniel Chavez-Crook of OBB Sound. Original music by James Asciutto for OBB Sound. Artwork by Joni Dobrov of OBB Media. Social media managed by Marissa Delgado of OBB Media. 